One morning, a couple of days ago, we built a pretty epic railroad. It had two separate tracks that went under and over each other. And we had our two electric trains running along each of their own track. Personally, I like it best when there is one track going round and round, but with bridges, tunnels and track switches making it a bit more complex. This one, however, had the smart solution with the separate tracks, making the trains never crash into each other, which easily happens when you have one track and one of the trains is a bit slower than the other. Usually, when we build something like this, our youngest will destroy it and rebuild it as they see fit, which not always results in a runnable track for the trains. But there was something special about this railroad. It was, to a large degree, left intact, and they both loved it. Of course, there were occasional repairs along the tracks, but no giants or Godzillas were massively destroying it. And they actually both invested time and effort in repairing whenever that was needed. It was a bit difficult to get the children dressed and take them to kindergarten the first day when we had just built it. But the promise that it would still be there when they came back home made the transition to kindergarten easier. And they raced in to start the trains as soon as they could after coming home. The trains were even running when no one was playing with them. That's not an annoying sound at all. The epic railroad was left intact for a total of two and a half days. That's a record, I think. And the reason for it being demolished was Papa Godzilla wanting to get the floors vacuumed. The two little train drivers didn't mind too much. And I'm certain there will be more epic railroads in the future. Hi, I'm Solveig, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. In this episode, I'm going to talk a bit about depressive thinking, and I will touch in on the feeling of not wanting to exist. It's not about suicidal thoughts or attempts, but I just want to give you a heads up in case you get triggered by such topics. You can see the timestamps for main topics in the show notes if you'd like to skip some parts. As you probably understand, I will share more or deeper personal stuff in this episode. I find it challenging to do because I feel like I'm exposing myself, making myself extra vulnerable. And I don't know who will listen to this and who might listen in the future. It doesn't really matter, I guess. All I know is that I want people to talk about these things, not as something taboo or shameful, but as something that we as a society, as fellow humans, should take seriously and normalize. Because I think lots of mamas experience some version of postpartum depression or difficult thoughts and emotion towards their new situation and role. Maybe even without talking to anyone about it, going under the radar of the healthcare system. I know I didn't want to talk about it because I felt so shameful and disgusting. I think talking about it more can help those who silently suffer to ask for help or reach out to someone for support. Through sharing my story, maybe I can contribute to an openness around this and remove the stigma that I feel is associated with depression in general. 
Maybe I can inspire someone to take their first step, whatever that might be. Maybe I can inspire you. Dealing with depression is no walk in the park. It's so hard and lonely work. And I know so well that it's a process that might be long and winding. If you're battling depression, I'm sorry. And I want you to know that you are not alone and that you can work yourself out of this. Please reach out for help or talk to someone. In this episode, I'm mentioning some resources that have helped me on my journey. I'll link to them in the show notes. None of them are paid partnerships or collaborations of any kind. While working on my app, I've been thinking back to when I was at my lowest after becoming a mama, and that was some time after welcoming our youngest. I feel like postpartum depression and generally having negative types of emotions after birth isn't talked about that much. It almost feels a a bit taboo. Like when you have your baby, everyone, maybe even you, expect you to be happy and grateful and on cloud nine. And for some it might be like that for a lot of the time. But I think that the reality for many is a storm of all kinds of emotions, states and hormones racing through the body. You're thrown into a new situation. One moment, it's you. The next, you're born as a new mama and you have your little one to suddenly take care of. It's maybe the most life-altering moment you can experience. And here I just want to add that I'm well aware that not all birth stories end like this. And I'm so sorry if you've experienced a birth that was difficult and or had a negative outcome. There are so many different types of families as well, and I just can't address all of them. I need to simplify a bit, so I'll talk about this from my point of view, telling my story, and maybe it's relatable. So, my story of becoming a mom of two. I think I'll share just a short recap of my birth story as well here, because it's proof that you can have your dream birth and still experience postpartum depression. Postpartum depression is often associated with a challenging birth or challenging days following the birth. I know it can feel like you have no reason to feel depressed and no reason to feel like you're a bad mama when life is smiling at you and you have everything you could wish and hope for. It always felt like that when I struggled with depressive periods before becoming a mama. There were no apparent or good reasons for me to feel like I did, and that only made everything worse. I just want to tell you right now that you never need a good reason to feel depressed. Depression can hit anyone at any time. I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but rather to comfort you who might feel like you don't have a reason to be experiencing depression. As a new mama, I'd say you're especially vulnerable. First is all the emotions and feelings, which can be overwhelming to handle and sort through. Second, you're going through pretty heavy hormonal and physical changes after birth. Your body is adjusting to baby being outside of it, and some of the changes happen fast. Third, 
you basically be given the most precious and special gift without any specific instructions for your unique baby. So it's up to you to get to know this little human and through trial and error find out what's work for your baby and for your family. You also probably need to figure out who you are as a new mama. I think for most women, it's not just becoming a mama and that's it. It's a process. And for some, like me, finding who you are postpartum can be a challenge. There's a lot to handle, figure out and deal with postpartum. And here I've only mentioned a few of all the things new mamas must cope with. Okay, so my birth story with our second child. I won't go into details. It feels a bit too personal still. But I know the value of hearing others' birth stories. So let me know if, you, if you're interested in hearing about it and I'll consider it. It truly was the dream birth. We had a home birth, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was only a couple of days after my midwife went on standby for me that things started to happen. And it went fast. To be honest, I was really surprised of how fast the entire labor and birth was. From the first contraction until baby was out, I think it was under 12 hours. From my midwife arrived until baby was out, <laughs> I think it was just under one and a half hour. Like, our oldest went to kindergarten in the morning, and when coming home, there was a little sibling in the house. I don't think I'll ever get to experience something as magical and amazing again. I had my dream birth in my own home, and the feeling was incredible. I felt so happy and grateful for having my healthy and wonderful baby in my arms and so proud of what I had done. Everything had gone so smoothly and the first days and maybe even weeks after becoming a mama of two were indeed mainly blissful and joyful, at least as I can remember it now. It feels a bit sad to move on to what happened next, but here goes. The postpartum depression didn't hit me like lightning. It came creeping with all its ugliness and destructive nature. The inevitable fatigue and tiredness of having two little ones to care for probably masked the depression a bit too. It's so easy to blame every difficult feeling and emotion on being tired, touched out and spread thin when in a situation like that. Like, no big deal. In time, this will pass. But it didn't. It only got worse. I was still in a mindset where caring for others came before taking care of myself. Baby wanted to feed or needed a nappy change or to sleep, so I suppressed my own needs to accommodate baby's needs. Or the oldest needed some mama time, and since I spent so much time with the baby, I often felt like I should join in with play or reading or do something together outside, even though I was tired and needed to relax. This became a vicious circle, and the postpartum depression was a fact when I started to aggressively pick on myself for being such a lousy and bad mama. I blamed myself for every little thing that didn't go to plan, or for not being able to be the mama I wanted to be. 
And of course, I was still in my perfectionistic and extremely self-critical brain, so nothing was ever good enough. I destroyed myself by taking in too many parenting tips, baby food tips, child development tips, and so on and so forth. I was so afraid that we didn't do the right things, that maybe our children would miss out on important developmental stuff because we didn't do enough, because we didn't have enough knowledge. Maybe they would have nutritional deficiencies or even get lifestyle diseases later in life because we didn't manage to give them the best possible starting point with the best possible food and attitudes towards food. I was terrified that being an anxious and bad mama would affect my children in the worst way, making them struggle and suffer for life because of me. I was afraid that not taking them to all kinds of activities and letting them experience lots of different environments would hold them back. I got so caught up in having to do the very best for our children and do all of it. For everything I didn't manage to do, I beat myself up. On a daily basis, I felt like such a failure and a joke of a mama. I wanted to do it all and do it perfectly all the time, but ended up not being able to do much at all. And then I started to feel triggered first by our toddler's behavior, but when I was really tired and in a low place, also by our babies crying or by what at the time felt like deliberate and cooperativeness, I reacted out of a place I didn't know existed within me. The things I wanted to say or do in the heat of the moment were terrible from my point of view. Not the kind of mama I wanted to be at all. I felt the urge to shame and blame. I used the silent treatment, which has been my go-to strategy when things are difficult for me for as long as I can remember. I felt like shouting and throwing things around, slam with doors. At my worst, I had to physically hurt myself to avoid doing something to the children. And here I want to shoot in that I would never deliberately want to hurt my children, either physically or mentally. This just shows the ugly and destructive impact a depression can have on someone. I took things personally. It felt like everything happened to me, and it felt unfair. I was out of control, and it scared the hell out of me. My reactions felt involuntary, like something took control of my mind and body. It was as if I could see myself from outside, like I was screaming at myself, don't say it or don't do it. But it was like I didn't have a choice. And I watched myself become a monster. The self-hate was immense. And I truly felt like I was the worst person in the world. Like this was it. I was not cut out to be a mama, and now I was destroying my own innocent children. I wanted to not exist. And I was certain that both my children and my partner would be so much better off without me. I had reached my lowest point, my rock bottom. 
saying these things now makes me so sad because now I'm at a place where not existing would be one of the worst things to happen to me. It's the last thing I want for myself today. So I would get these sudden outbursts of anger and despair. And at that time, the outbursts felt incomprehensible and very unpredictable, both to me and my family. I didn't have the self-awareness I have today. I didn't know about childhood wounds and trauma and that everything you experience is stored in the body. The body remembers even though your conscious self doesn't. My childhood trauma was surfacing through triggers. It could, for example, be a certain behavior from one of my children that I repeatedly had been shamed, blamed, yelled at or ignored for as a child. And when my own children awoke this memory within me through triggering me, I acted out of what I knew from my childhood, from my programmed autopilot, which I didn't even know I had. The way I had been met, or not met, as a child, and the ways in which I had observed my parents handling their children, became my way of handling mine. But at the time when I was struggling the most and felt like giving up, I was unaware of all this. I had no idea why I was having such difficulties handling, parenting and my own reactions and emotions. It took me some time to find my way to useful and helpful information on how to work on my problems and move on. I joined a beautiful kind of community of mamas struggling on their journeys and I got my first tools to work on what was difficult as a mama. I had some appointments with a couple of different psychologists while waiting to get into therapy. All of this helped, but I was mainly working on my symptoms, which didn't do much for my underlying problems. I was fumbling around the internet, trying to find my way out of this darkness I was in. I tried a lot of different things, but I didn't really know what I was doing, and I didn't yet understand the importance of continuity keeping things simple and taking baby steps. I also had and still often feel like there's a sense of urgency. I need to get better, like yesterday, unless I will damage my children forever. And trying to force changes as quickly as possible just doesn't work. But I didn't know that then, so I got so frustrated and kept on beating myself up for not managing to get better. The first thing I started to consistently work on was carving out some me time in order to try and fill my cup. You know, trying to practice self-care through tips I got from others or the internet. I was working on the symptom of tiredness and fatigue. I didn't know it at the time, but working solely on the symptoms doesn't resolve what's underneath. And eventually I found myself moving in circles. Filling one's cup is important, but if there are unresolved trauma or other stuff in the subconscious, then self-care will only mask the underlying problems for a short period of time. And as I've talked about in previous episodes, I didn't know who I truly was. I didn't know my authentic self. I didn't know what filled my cup. 
I hadn't reflected on stuff like that because I had basically followed my autopilot up until then. So, I was trying all the different tips for self-care that I felt like trying. You know, throwing spaghetti at the wall to see if it would stick. And as you'd probably guess, it wasn't really helping. What helped a lot was stumbling across Dr. Nicole Lepera and her self-healer circle. She and her associates are doing so much good work for understanding yourself, your relationships, and for healing your trauma, just to mention a tiny part of what they do. And I found Shelley Robinson, who is a conscious parent and family wellness coach. Shelley has a lot of content about reparenting yourself, a concept I had never heard of, but that made a lot of sense to me. I also found The Reconnected, who offers a beautiful online community of parents and different parenting courses. It's a lot about getting to know yourself and your child through your and their nervous system and how your nervous system state influences your child's state and vice versa, I guess. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. <laughs> Anyways, finding someone who puts words to what I was struggling with really helped me and shifted my mindset. And getting tips and tools to work on myself was incredibly valuable. My level of awareness increased so much and I was filled with new hope. I was like a sponge to their content, wanting to learn and evolve as much as possible. Here, I just want to put out there that if I'm ever going to do interviews on this podcast, I'd love to have them all on, just saying. So, after discovering these resources, I found my way into the realm of self-development and also started taking an interest in my own spirituality. All of these discoveries felt like new worlds to me. I had been so narrow-minded and zoomed in up until then, and through programming thought about such things as woo-woo and something only certain special people were into, and unfortunately not special in a good way. My raised awareness and more open mind made me realize that if I really wanted things to change, I had to decide for that and take action towards it. And I realized that I needed to face my demons, myself and my childhood wounds. Before I move on, I just want to add that my life didn't miraculously change the moment I discovered these people, tools and ways of thinking. That was merely the beginning of me working my way out of depression and self-hate. You know, I still struggle with lots of these things, thoughts and patterns, but I become more aware and self-aware and I'm quicker to notice when I'm moving back into old patterns and mindsets. And those are all big wins. I have my tools that works for me and that I utilize every day. So back to facing my demons. I faced the facts that I hated myself, acted self-destructively, both deliberately and on autopilot, and that I didn't prioritize or care for myself. And I decided that that needed to change. You know the kind of cliche that you must put on your own oxygen mask before helping others with theirs? Well, there's a lot of truth in that. I was trying so hard to be everything to everyone to care for others out of my empty cup, 
And I realized that I was doing the complete opposite of what I intended. By not loving, prioritizing and taking care of myself, I fell short on all areas of my life and let the ones I loved the most down. I couldn't be the mama and partner I wanted to be when I was constantly barely getting through the day and sometimes not even getting myself out of bed. I decided and made a promise to myself that I would start working towards self-love, self-compassion and my authentic self. I promised myself that I would prioritize my needs and do more stuff that made me feel good, not just once in a while, but daily. I realized that I wanted and needed to be a good role model for my children, that I wanted them to grow up with a mama who cares for herself, does things that lights her up, and creates something valuable, both for herself and for others. I wanted to be a source of inspiration for them. And I still want all those things, both for me and for my children. Okay, I don't know if you listened to the last episode of this podcast, but I announced that I'm making an app. It's called Self Love. And the main reason I'm making this app is to inspire and hopefully help you who are struggling as a mama, as I did and still am, you who have a difficult relationship with yourself and you want to change that, you who don't quite understand why there is such a difference between what kind of parent you want to be and the way you are parenting, you who want to grow as a person at your own pace and integrate the knowledge and learnings you acquire along your path, you who never feel like you're enough, the self-love app is for you. Oh, that last bit <laughs> kind of sounds a little cheesy, to be honest. <laughs> but that's my intention with the app. <laughs> Not being cheesy, <laughs> but it being for you. Yeah, my intention is the self-love app is for you. I don't want you who are struggling out there to feel like you are alone in it. I want you to be able to share your story, your goals, your wins, and your ups and downs without the shame. To share all of that with other mamas who are out there on their journeys. I want to offer you a roadmap and tools to work your way towards whatever you want for yourself. And here's another cheesy but true bit. Because we all deserve it. When you think about it, what we do and sacrifice as mamas is incomprehensible, indescribable, incredible. Based on my experiences and trial and error throughout the last years, I made a roadmap that shows how I have and still am working towards my goals and dreams, and especially towards self-love. It's important to note that this is not a quick-to-finish miracle cure, this is a roadmap that gets you started on your journey, that helps you get intentional and work towards changing your neural pathways, hence changing you and your patterns in the direction you want. It works for me and is something that I truly believe in. I know that it might not work as well for you because you are uniquely you, just as I am uniquely me. 
but it can definitely be a start if you're looking to change something in your life, to start your journey, or work towards a particular self-development goal. You know, if you don't know where to begin, this might be what can get you going. And something I'm big on, everything is adjustable, and you just take and do what resonates with you. Leave the rest. There really is no one universal answer to life. At least I think so. <laughs> but you're the one holding the answers to yours. If you're interested in checking out my six A's roadmap to self-love, that's what I called my roadmap. There's a link in the show notes to where you can get it and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll also get info about my self-love app that's in development. The family relay of loose and colds is still ongoing to a large extent. So unfortunately, the work progress has been and still is a bit slow. I know, excuses, excuses. But really, so far in 2024, there haven't been many days where both children have been in kindergarten at the same time. So I'm giving myself some compassion and understanding for not having my app closer to finished by now. I think this is the first year I'm actually looking forward to winter and hence flu season being over. I usually hold on to winter for as long as I can. I want to end this episode with some wise words and thoughts I've picked up here and there along my path. Remember I talked about all those fears and worries I had while experiencing postpartum depression. Those about not being or doing enough as a parent and everything that could happen if I or we didn't do enough. Well, all the wise and knowledgeable say that you are all your child needs. Of course, they need air, water, food, clothes, and so on. <laughs> but you know what I mean. They need you, and that you take care of yourself. Children can be taken to all sorts of activities, have all the right toys, all the right food. But if you're not there, none of those things matter. They need you, and that you do your best. That you take care of yourself and that you do your best. That's enough. And that's all your child needs. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. If you liked this or found it inspiring or helpful, please follow, rate or review or all of it. It helps a lot or so I'm told. <laughs> I would also be forever grateful if you would recommend this podcast to a friend. And before I go, I want you to remember something I easily forget. You're worthy. You're lovable. You matter. Just as you are. So until next time, sending you lots of love. <laughs>